0: Well, we're going to continue our series today on Living God's Love Out Loud. Brendan, a few weeks ago, started it off. I don't know if you remember the phrase that he had said to us about God being our magnificent obsession. Do you remember that? He said, no matter what we're doing in life, if we're not living God's love out loud, by having that connection to our magnificent obsession, we're missing it. It's first things first. We can't move on if we don't have that settled in our hearts and in our, in our lives that God is our magnificent obsession and we have to be holding on to him in order to live God's love out loud to the different variety of groups we've been talking about. And then we had Mark come in and talk about what it means to live God's love out loud to our coworkers. And he said, you just need to be there be available, be present. Brendan had said the week before, he said giving access to who we are and our resources, that's part of living God's love out loud. Mark Spencer did that. He showed, told us the story of his uh, job at Anderson Windows and how he reached out to people that maybe some other people wouldn't be able to reach. But Mark Spencer, in all of his coolness, was able to reach him. He was safe for them, and they came to him and they talked to him about God. He was available, he was a present, he was present, and he was a present. And then Brendan, last week, talked about in the church. Sometimes that's a real challenging message because who's the church? We are. So we have to look at how are we doing as a church? Are we safe? Are we available? Are we present? Are we connected to the magnificent obsession so that when somebody walks through these doors or when we're out being the church outside of these four walls, they're running into Jesus? Is that happening? And we should always be asking that challenging question. And of course he brags about Bridgewood because he loves Bridgewood and he loves you guys and he knows what a great gift we have of being part of the Bridgewood body because we live God's love out loud all over the place. So it's not not saying that it's not happening. It's just saying let's get more. Let's get more. Let's do it more. And today we're going to talk about living God's out loud in our, in our friendships. What does that look like? What does it look like to be a real friend to somebody? What is modeled for us in scripture? What is modeled for us by Jesus? And how are we doing? How are we doing with that? So when I say the word friendship, what do you guys think of? What picture comes to your mind? Is it something like this? I think friendship represents sometimes that we have somebody to celebrate with. We celebrate victories, we celebrate birthdays, we celebrate anniversaries, graduations, we celebrate the things of life that are worth celebrating. I have a friend that she'll text me and she'll go celebrate with me and I know that means let's go get coffee. So having someone to celebrate with is important to share those joys. Maybe this is more like you guys. I can't remember who I showed it to and they said, oh, I'm totally Van Diesel. But, you know, maybe it's risking together. Maybe it's just having fun together. Maybe it's doing something like this together. Sharing something you enjoy. Kayaking, canoeing, boundary waters, golfing. Shopping. shopping. (laughs) I can't join you in that one, but I know it's there. (laughs) Maybe it's something like that. Maybe it's being goofy together. Maybe friendship to you, you know that you're in good friendship when you're able to just goof off and take off a mask. And you don't have to worry about what you're going to look like. Even though these guys look very hip in their cool big-eyed shades that remind me of the stack from Land of the Lost. Anybody? Anybody get that? <laughs> it's really old. For all the pet lovers... Maybe it's just soft and cuddly when you need someone to so- be soft and cuddly with. I think that God's design of friendship is really got a core line of this. Loving each other, comforting each other, being with each other so that, oh, there's this one too. A friend would know exactly what you need. <laughs> Do you want a pizza? Yeah. But this is it. To me, friendship designed by God is so that we know we're not alone. Because God himself says you're not alone. A lot. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you always. Be courageous. Do not fear because I'm with you. His message to us is I'm with you. You're not alone. And then we see that lived out loud by having people. It's his, we're his plan. We're his design. That we would be friends to each other. Friendships come in all shapes and sizes. We see all kinds of them in scripture. We see that, that Abraham is a friend of God. We see Ruth and Naomi who went to the ends of the earth together and loved each other and would not separate because their friendship meant so much. David and Jonathan are a huge, huge example of a great friendship in 1 Samuel. Jonathan is the son of Saul, and Saul wants to kill David, and Jonathan makes a covenant with David and says, I'm your friend, I'm with you. Jonathan spies on his father Saul and then gives intel to David. I mean, to Saul, and maybe even to Jonathan, he questioned, am I betraying my father? But he was a friend to David, and he and he was a friend to David even when he knew David was anointed to be the next king, not him, not the son, but David. David is the anointed one, and he saves David's life. He gives him secret messages. Proverbs 17 says a friend is always loyal. Proverbs 18 says says a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Over and over and over, we see examples of friendship. When you do a word search um, for friend or friends or friendship, any of that variation in scripture, you see it 111 times. And more times than not, you'll see how friends are not being good friends. You'll see betrayal. Friendships are fragile. They can be. They can be very fragile. And they need nurturing and they need patience and they need um intentional work to stay connected we need that psalm 55 listen to this this is an example of that psalm 55 verses 12 through 14 you can just listen for it is not an enemy who taunts me then i could bear it it is not an adversary who deals insolently with me then i could hide from him but it is you A man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together. Within God's house, we walked in the throng. When we're betrayed by a friend, when a friend lets us down, sometimes that's the hardest. It's the hardest part. Any Braveheart fans in here? Just a few. I've got a Braveheart sword in my office big Braveheart fan. That's not a threat or anything. <laughs> I look at Brendan when I say that. Um, there's a, it's a story about William Wallace, and he's fighting for freedom for Scotland, and he's fighting against the Britons. And he has allies that he thinks are on his side, And in one of the battles, he sees somebody on the other side, and he has one of those night helmets on, so you can't see his face. And he's starting to get away. And William Wallace starts chasing after him on horseback. They fall, they get on the ground, and William Wallace, Mel Gibson, tears off his helmet, and he sees that it's his friend, Robert the Bruce. And you can see in his face that he just goes... He, he's shocked that his friend that he thought was his ally has betrayed him. And of course his friend feels terrible and realizes what he's done. And, but sometimes friendships can be very fragile. But here's the news. Here's some good news. We are designed for this incredible capacity to love. We are made in the image of God. He is love And so we have this innate, inborn ability to love. God empowers us to receive his love, love him in return, and then love others. That's the simple equation of living God's love out loud. Be attached to the magnificent obsession, let him love us, and then love others from that place. We're designed to do that. We have this longing for it. I think sometimes we recognize it more by because we have a longing to be loved. We have a longing to be fully known and still loved. To be fully known and accepted. To be fully known and not judged. We find this in Jesus, don't we? Jesus is the one that knows us even when we try to hide things from him. He still knows us and he loves us anyway. Look what he did for us. He went to the cross. There's a story about a guy who really knew how to live God's love out loud. His name is Joseph Scrivens. And he was the author of the, the hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And he was from Irish or Ireland. He's Irish and he's from Ireland. That's brilliant, isn't it? And, and he... He was going to be married, and the day before he married, his fiancée fell off of a horse, hit her head, and died. And he was devastated. But he knew enough to hang on to his magnificent obsession. He knew enough to hang on to God, even though he was devastated. And he said, I'm going to devote my life to God. And he moved to Ontario, Canada. And in Ontario, he met somebody named Eliza. And he fell in love with Eliza. And he was going to get married to Eliza. Eliza got pneumonia, and she fell ill, and she died at the age of 23. And he said, I'm going to live my life for God. And so the legend is, not even the legend, the historical fact of this man, Joseph Scrivens, is that he spent his entire life doing good for others in the neighborhood, doing good for his friends, laying down his own life. He devoted his life to love and good deeds and he roamed Ontario living God's love out loud. His greatest desire was for his life to reflect the love of God through his life. I lose track of that. I lose track of that calling that we are called to live God's love out loud through our lives. And he penned these words, what a friend we have in Jesus. Out of a place of devastating pain, he found purpose and hope. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. A really good friend always points us to Jesus. Because it's in Jesus that we will find the capacity to be loved, to be fully known, to be accepted. Someone will be sitting in the room with us, but the fact that we're connecting with Jesus together is where you'll find that safety. That's where you'll find the the safeness, the safe place to connect with Jesus and allow him to be your friend. I was thinking about this week, and I want to go to um, the Gospel of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to John chapter 15. I also have it on the screen here. Starting in verse nine, and I want to look at this because I thought, well, we see, we see models of friendship in Scripture, but what about Jesus? What does Jesus show us about friendship in Scripture? So starting with verse nine. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. It's modeled for us. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. As As I have stayed connected with the magnificent obsession of the Father God, I have loved you in that same way. It's modeled for us. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I keep my father's commandments and abide in his his love. Verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And then he says this, greater has no one than this. Greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. This is in John chapter 15. In two chapters, in John chapter 17, he's going to give his great priestly prayer because he knows where he's going. He knows he's going to the cross. He knows he's saying, This is where I'm headed, and there is no greater expression of my love out loud to you than this. I am going to the cross, I am laying down my life for you, and I love you. There is no greater life love than that. When I was reading this and studying this week, it, it just floored me that I thought, my gosh, he knew where he was headed. He knew where he was going. And he says, greater love has no one than this. And then I asked, What does that look like for us? We prayed today for people in persecution, and they're really, literally laying down their lives for the sake of the gospel. We're not called to do that. We don't live in that culture right now. So what does that look like? this week was um, a really hard week. Actually, it's been a while that it's been just a struggle for me. And I couldn't pinpoint what it is. And I just knew that I was just like, not on, just off. Um, I would tell some people that I feel like I just having a hard time returning to joy. I'm not really sure what it is. I can't pinpoint it. And usually when the Lord works something out, usually, is what he's doing in my life, um, it takes some time, probably because, you know, I'm stubborn or I'm wrestling or whatever. But a few weeks ago, Mark Spencer, in a staff meeting, which we do worship and pray, and it's just this sweet, sweet time of being together, Mark Spencer said, he got a word in a picture and he said, I just feel like the Lord wants somebody here to know, uh, don't be afraid of the light. Now, I don't know how you know the Lord is speaking to you, but for me, my heart starts beating. I can feel it in this little dimple right here. I think it looks like it's probably like a cartoon coming out of my neck. My hands start to shake. And I know to pay attention, and I only know that through experience and through just, you know, practice and the discipline of it. And I know that's the Lord. So I asked the Lord about it, and he, and he said, "Yeah, that's that's for you, Sharon." He says, "Don't be afraid to come into the light." And I said, "Well, what do you want me to do?" And for at that moment, it was just admit to my team that that word was for me. So I said to the team, "Sometimes I'm afraid of the light." It's all I knew. I didn't know why. I didn't know what I was supposed to bring into the light, except that sometimes I just knew I'm afraid of being known, Pray, afraid of being fully known, which seems odd theologically because Jesus knows us and he fully knows us, but yet I have this fear of being fully known. So then, uh, this, so that happened a couple weeks ago, and then um, on Wednesday... Um, I was sitting out on our new patio, which I totally enjoy being out there. It's a great space. If you haven't been out there, go out there. And um, Brendan came out and he said, how you doing? And I said, I'm not sure. Actually, I'm not, I'm not sure. And then Mark came out and I thought, oh, I'm, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> so Mark and Brendan sat down. So I began to just tell them, I just felt like the Lord prompted me, bring some things out. It's not, you know, so I started to say, I don't know, you guys, I haven't been completely transparent with you. I'm not doing really well. I don't know what's going on, but I'm not doing well. And I said, here's some things that are going on for me. This is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm wrestling with these are some challenges These are, and then I said wait there's one more here's some fears and I just shared some fears that I have and here's why it's an example of living God's love out loud to me Brendan was on his way to lunch he was on his way to lunch with people and he said no I'll catch up with you guys later and he laid down his plans to sit there with me. Mark was on his way home. He had things he had to do at home, things he had to prepare for. He's busy. And he sat there, and they sat there with me for an hour. To me, that's laying down your life. To me, that's laying down your agenda, laying down your lists, laying down your tasks, laying down what you think you have to get done. And I'm not talking about being irresponsible, but sometimes I think we call things responsible a little too much maybe, because I really needed that. And to me, that was living God's love out loud. And that's an example for us of what we're doing. Pay attention to what the Lord is saying. Pay attention to what the Spirit is prompting you to do and follow through on it because the fruit is so great from it and it's the way the Lord wants us to live with each other. We're his plan. The depth of relationship determines how much we allow ourselves to be known. Jesus says this, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. He has left nothing unsaid. He has left nothing uncovered. His example of friendship to us is that he has made everything fully known to us. That's his example. I've made everything fully known to you. I think that's just an amazing thing. And so we see that the depth of the relationship is increased because Jesus has made himself fully known. If depth is there, willingness to go there is there. When you just meet somebody for the very first time, you're not going to have a conversation like we had on the patio. You're not going to have that But the more you get to know each other and the more you follow the Lord's leading on who he's highlighting for you to have in your life, the more you get to know each other, the deeper the relationship goes and now you're living from a place of friendship that is modeled for us by Jesus himself. It's a brilliant plan, but it's risky. It feels really risky. Am I gonna be accepted? Am I gonna be judged? Am I going to be disqualified? If people really know who I am, will it be okay? And Jesus says, Yeah, it will be. Yeah, it will be okay. We have to release others from meeting our needs. Our needs are met in Jesus and Jesus alone. But the plan is that we are the hands and feet of Jesus to each other. So when I'm sitting on the patio, yeah, I'm sitting there with two really good friends, but they're connecting me to Jesus. They're praying for me. They're giving me words of knowledge. They're sitting there with me as Jesus is sitting there with me too. Somebody taught him well. There's no greater love. The ultimate friend is in Jesus. He allowed himself to be fully known. He had complete access to who he is and all that he has. He gave everything. And here's the challenge for us. And I hate this challenge, but here it is. Do you want a friend like that? Do you want a friend that puts aside their agenda and will sit with you? Do you want a friend that knows you and accepts you and loves you no matter what kind of a day you're having, whether you're celebrating or whether you're crying or whether you're just under a cloud and you don't know how to get out? If you want a friend like that, here's the answer. Be a friend like that. It's a challenging word, but it's how it works. When you're a friend like that to others, it increases in your life. It's like kingdom economics. Kingdom economics is not the same as the world's economics. If I have a book like this, this is Being a Safe Place for the Dangerous Kind by Mike Bradley, Hot Off the Presses. It is it's my possession. I bought this. It's mine. If I give this to Lisa Marie and she takes it, would you like to accept this gift? She said, sure. Do I have it anymore? It's not mine. And that you really can keep that. Mike Bradley, if you're listening, you owe me. But here's the deal about kingdom economics. If I give away grace, if I extend grace that has been extended to me, my grace increases. If I extend love that has been extended to me, my love increases. I don't know why it feels risky. I think it might feel risky because the enemy says, don't take that risk, you'll get burned but it's not the truth. If I extend faith and I increase my faith for something, I don't get less faith, I get more faith. When we hear a testimony of somebody that has been healed or somebody that has received an answer to a prayer, our faith increases. It's the power of testimony. It's the power of story. Model it and you'll find it. Give it away and you'll receive it. Extend it to others and it will be extended to you. That's kingdom economics. So when we're plugged into the magnificent obsession and then we give it away and we extend it and we set aside our agenda the fruit that we bear will be far better than anything we could ever imagine it will be multiplied and Jesus talks about that that you will be my friends and you will bear fruit and your fruit will abide in me It's the plan it's the perfect divine plan. And there are times we won't want to feel like it or feel like being there, but as the Lord leads, follow. It's why that in question of, Lord, what are you saying to me? What are you asking of me? And paying attention to them promptings is so important because it bears kingdom fruit. That's living God's love out loud. We may think it will be lost time. But in kingdom economics, it's precisely the investment we need to be making. The whole purpose of this kind of connection with each other, this biblical expression of friendship, this depth of relationship is to connect with each other and with Jesus. That's what Jesus did. He said, I know what it's going to take. I became fully man. And I'm laying my life down for you and I know what it's going to take. I know what you're going through. I know it's going to be difficult. I know that there's going to be demands on your life that will distract you and keep you away from doing this, but this is my plan. I've created little Christs, and you are becoming more and more like me so that you can live my love out loud. I think it's a great plan. I think it's a risky plan (laughs) because we're so imperfect, and we'll mess it up. But then we extend grace. We extend love. And we keep going. So I pray that this would be a church that we would do that. I think we do it very well. Like Brenna said last week, what a gift we have here. What a gift. But who doesn't ever want an upgrade? I'll take an upgrade. I want to do it better. I want more of those patio conversations in my life where I can dare to risk to say, this is the truth. If we set aside our judgments and our agendas and be a church that brings Jesus into situations, his purposes and the love of God can be lived out supernaturally transforming hearts. You can't get into the presence of Jesus and not be changed. You can't can't do it. It's this supernatural, Holy Spirit, jaw-dropping, rock-and-rolling kind of transformation that you think, I can't believe that used to be me and I'm not like that anymore. People are set free. People are encouraged. People are loved. People don't feel alone. And this is it. This is the plan. I think there's no greater love than that. No greater love than than laying down our lives, whatever that looks like, however the Lord leads you, there's no greater love than that. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you have a plan. I thank you that you are in control. And I thank you that we have each other. And I thank you, Lord, that you are the perfect model. For us of being fully known. Lord, I pray that we would be a body that would begin to risk that with one another, that we would hear you and we would follow you wherever you lead us. Thank you, Lord. Father, we pray over the offering. I pray that this offering would be an extension of living your love out loud that it would be an extension into this body and into the community (laughs) so that we can have more and more patio conversations. Just ask that you would bless it and multiply it in Jesus' name, amen.